Jesus, help us on this day of all days in the winter months to think about you, to think about your your journey to us, your humanity, your dwelling among us. Um, help us to contemplate not just um, theology and, and ideas, but um, but the realities of who you are. Help us to look to your word and see you and know you better. We pray this by your Holy Spirit. Amen. So the book of Matthew, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, and we're going to be at the end of chapter 2. So you want to turn with me to the book of Matthew. We have been talking quite a bit about Joseph. A few years ago, I did a I did a study on Mary, and you can still check that out on the website um, and, uh, and, and hear you know, messages and things like that. But this year, I've really been focusing on Joseph because Matthew, in Matthew's gospel, Joseph is really the primary agent by which God, by which God works um, in the, the birth story of Jesus. And I want to focus on him, and I apologize in advance to the... Um, to those that this may not apply to, but I want to focus on Joseph this morning as an example of biblical fatherhood. Now, how many of you, uh, you dads, um, you find being a dad a bit challenging? Don't raise your hands. Um, I, I think we would all agree that being a parent, father or mother, Single parent, mixed marriage, you know, uh, um, uh, blended marriages, all those things. It's a challenge to be a parent. These little people um, start out really depending on us, then decide they don't want us, and then they want us to know when they've decided sometimes they do want us. And we have to sort all this stuff out, and our mission um, is is really to grow them to being in a position of independence and being on their own. And um, I heard, I think it was my dad said to me, he said, my mission in life was to get you to a point that I could spoil your kid. I'm like, thanks. Appreciate that. Um, but uh, we're talking about Joseph, and, and I want to talk about, I think it applies to us in many ways, but I want to talk about Joseph this morning um, and what he does. Because I want you to understand that Matthew records so much about Joseph, I really believe because we need to know that sometimes there are people um, and there are jobs and there are roles that are a part of what God is doing that aren't glorious, aren't exciting, aren't the glitz and glam moments. That there is some hard work and some hard decisions involved in following Christ. And serving God. So I just want to read, I'm going to read the tail end of the story from Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 16. Uh, Jesus has already been born. The Magi have already come and they visited Jesus and brought their gifts. And the king, Herod, in verse 16, Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. He sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had... Excuse me, he had ascertained from the wise men 
Then was fulfilled that what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because there are no, they are no more. And Jesus is spared from this because Joseph received a vision from God of dream that told him to go to Egypt. And so they are not there when this happens. And in verse 19, when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt saying, rise, take the child his, and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who sought the child's life are dead. He rose and took the child and his mother and he went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and he lived in a city called Nazareth so that, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he, Jesus, should be called a Nazarene. Um, if you've been with us, there, there are five moments, five messianic signs that Joseph fulfills to show that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. There are two of them here that he is spared from the wrath of of the king Herod. Jesus is spared there. That quote, a voice was heard in Ramah, um, speaking about that event that signaled Jesus as the Messiah. And then this line here at the end um, that was spoken, the prophet might be fulfilled, that he should be called a Nazarene. Now this is an interesting line. Because the the town of Nazareth did not exist when the prophet Isaiah described um, what what is called the branch of Jesse. The Hebrew word branch is Nazar. Um, And so the scriptures, the book of Isaiah actually describes that the Messiah would be the branch Nazar. And Matthew takes that and he says, so Jesus was born in Nazareth and so he would be called a Nazar-e. All right, Nazarene. All right, so he's he's doing that. Critics get all freaky about that. They're like, well, Matthew is playing fast with the language and he's doing a wordplay. Well, I mean, not to not to say that they're wrong, but the town of Nazareth, Nazareth, Nazarot, which is the name of the town, means the branches. Nazar, branch. All right, Nazarot in Hebrew branches so the town is actually called the branches the reason it's called that by the way is nazareth is on a hill above the jezreel valley um, where there were orchards and so there were olive trees and vineyards and things like that so they called the town the branches it's not the worst name i've heard worse street names i'm going to a party tonight that is on podunk street There's a street near my house called Lois Lane. There's a town in my favorite, though, is down um, by the lake um, uh, in Merrimack. There is a road called Dirt Road. <laughs> and it's paved. <laughs> anyway, I don't want to dwell on the fulfillment of the prophecies. We could talk all that, but I want to talk about Joseph's role in this story. The important moments in in Joseph's life, because we are so familiar with this that we tend to forget the the work, the um, the effort, and the requirements made upon Joseph to do what he did. 
And I think Joseph gives us a great example of biblical fatherhood. I don't have a whole lot to say today. From the moment the angel commanded Joseph to call call Jesus by the name Jesus, and, and doing that to adopt him as his son, Joseph took on one job. Fathers have one job. So kids, you need to know this about your dad. He has biblically one job. You say, my dad's got two jobs, three jobs, four jobs, five jobs. He has one job. And so many people think that the father, the parent's job, well, your job is to love your children. That's not your job. I hope you love your children, but that's not your job. Well, your job is to make your children feel safe. That is not your job. You say, what? I'm supposed to make my child feel safe. To be honest, kids need a little bit of unsafety to grow and mature. Um... My father observed me one time jumping off a second-story fire escape and said, you sure that's a good idea? I said, I don't know why not. Your choice. All right? Um, There there are things like that. You say, well, my job is to, to protect my children. And protection is part of it, but that's not your job. Joseph's job from the moment he was called... From the moment that the angel spoke to him, was to steward his son. To um, recognize that the son that God had given him, the child that he had given him, he was given to him as a responsibility, as a as a purpose, as a duty, as a joy to guide his son to become the man he would need to be for the challenges he was going to face. You say, but Jesus was God the Son. He had all the divine power. Well, according to Philippians, he emptied himself, made himself in the form of a man. And he needed his parents to guide him to become the man that he needed to be. Now you say, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me either. But the fact of the matter is, if we read scripture, Jesus was, and the Hebrews, the book of Hebrews says, he was a man like unto us, tempted as, uh, like as we are. He faced all the challenges of a human life. And he needed a man, Joseph, and he needed a woman, Mary, to guide him to become the man he needed to be. Now, it was probably a lot easier than guiding me. Um, You know, I I don't wish a child like myself upon anyone. I was a bit of a problem child. Um, I was a sneaky problem child. I was an intellectual problem child. Those are the worst kind because they usually either become pastors or supervillains. Joseph was not a superman. We know that he was righteous, we know that he was just, but he was presented with a challenge to steward this child that God had given him and guide Jesus to become the man he needed to be to face the challenges he needed to face. And so Joseph had to become maybe someone he was not at the moment that Jesus needed him to be. 
Uh, we saw the musical last weekend. We saw the musical uh, Journey to Bethlehem, I think it is. It's called. Um, it's got Antonio Banderas playing Herod. I won't get into the historical inaccuracies in filming a movie in Spain that's supposed to be in Israel, but or the fact that it apparently took three weeks to walk the five miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. In the, I won't talk about that. But one of the things that I did enjoy about it um, was that Joseph and Mary were pretty much the same age. Normally when you see uh, dramatization of this, Joseph tends to be kind of an older guy, kind of a little creepy teenage girl, older guy. Um, they're pretty much the same age. Um, I really believe Joseph was probably maybe in his early 20s. And thrust upon Joseph was the responsibility of stewarding a child that was not biologically his and guiding that child for the entirety of that child's childhood until Jesus was ready to face the challenges he would face. And he had the extra added burden of an angel had told him he had to do it. Now, you might have been told you had to do it by your wife, by your parents, by your in-laws. But he had an angel say, hey, you're going to adopt this kid. You're going to care for this kid. And we never see Joseph flinch. He, he's, he's unwavering in his commitment to be what God has positioned him to be. Now, it didn't hurt that he had an absolutely amazing wife. And again, I would encourage you to go back, check out the study on Mary. Mary is one tough, independent chick. She is worth modeling your life after. She takes on priests. She takes on scribes. She is not to be denied. She knows what she's doing. But Joseph was Jesus' father. You say he wasn't his biological father. Biology does not dictate fatherhood. The covenant of stewarding a child that God has entrusted in your care, that's what makes you a father. Three things real quick about Joseph. First, he was forced, or he was faced, sorry, my vision is bad, he was faced with the impossible, so he did what was possible. You say that's paradoxical. Yes, it is. We are faced with the impossible. Dads, you are faced with the impossible. They are impossible when they're in diapers. They are impossible when they're toddlers. They are triply impossible when they become teenagers. And they're ridiculous as adults. You have been called to do the impossible, to guide a life in a vector that leads to independence and spiritual growth and maturity and hard work and and all the things that a a well-balanced adult does. How do you do the impossible? By doing what's possible. A king wanted to kill his son. An angel gives him a vision to travel to Egypt. So what does Joseph do? 
He does what's possible. He's on the road to Egypt. I imagine Joseph woke up that night from that dream and he said, okay, got to take the kid to Egypt. Mary said, got to take the kid where? Did you not forget I just gave birth? And Jesus, uh, Joseph says, we got to get the kid to Egypt. They load up probably on a caravan and they head to Egypt. Now, Joseph, uh, I'm not going to get into the details of this, but Joseph as an artisan, as a, as a, um, as a, a craftsman, uh, Joseph had the ability probably to do work in Egypt to be able to support their family. But forced, uh, faced with the impossible, an angel, a virgin birth, a, a, a trip to Egypt they couldn't possibly afford, weird magi showing up at your house while you're sleeping, all the stuff that's going on with Joseph, he faces it and he does what's possible and he trusts God for the rest. Secondly, he uses the resources available to him to protect Jesus until Jesus could protect himself. Biblical fatherhood is about guiding your child into a position of being able to do things on their own, not rely on you. My dad was a lot of things, is a lot of things. More things now than he was then. Not a perfect dad. I'm not a perfect dad. But we both agreed that our job as fathers, our job as fathers was to prepare our children to not need us. You say, I want my kids to need you, need me. You really don't. You want your kids to be able to stand on their own two feet, do the hard work of living. You say, well, I want to I make sure they're protected. I mean, we all want our kids to be safe. Uh, I was just talking with somebody yesterday about growing up in my age. And in my generation, we were exposed constantly on the TV that somebody with a panel van was going to come and kidnap us. It was like drummed into our heads, man. This is, you had to prevent this from happening. I lived in a town of a thousand people. We literally knew everybody. My mom's like, what if somebody comes along and grabs him? My dad's like, if they grab him, we know where they live. I didn't know that my father and my mother would let me ride my bike to work and downtown and all that stuff, but they were always, they would watch me go. Then one of them would get in a car and they would tail me like they were in the CIA or something just to make sure I was safe, make sure it trusted me. You know, and, and with our daughter, Nicole and I, we developed this, this thing of we would give her the ability to do something to see what she would do with it. And if she did well and she handled it well, we just kept backing away, letting her be independent. She's here today. Um, I can't, not biblically allowed to brag, but Ariel is, is growing into an independent, motivated, clear-driven young woman. And she's going to take over the world, hopefully be a benevolent dictator, buy a house and let us live with her. That's the plan. But 
she she knows we're going to depend on her. She's like, we need babysitters. Anyway, um, he used the resources that were available to him to protect Jesus until Jesus could protect himself. You want to know why Jesus is so well-versed in Scripture and the Gospels? People are like, well, he was God. He wrote the Bible. He knew it all. Now, Mary and Joseph reciting scripture, embodying the the biblical purpose of parents every moment of every day, being imperfect for their perfect son. And I mean, we all claim to have perfect kids, but they actually did. So faced with the impossible, he did what was possible threatened and fearful he used the resources available to him to do his job and third he used what god gave him the resources available all that stuff and then he used his intellect and his spiritual decisions his his spiritual ability and discernment to make decisions you say why is that such a big deal Fathers, you have a responsibility to decide for your children. You say, well, I want my children to determine their... No! If they were capable of making all their decisions on their own, they wouldn't have you. God made you the dad for a reason. So you need to step up and take responsibility and learn what you need to do and you need to find out what you need to be to be the man that that child needs, even if they don't like it. Do you think, do you think that if Joseph and Mary had been very lax and relaxed with Jesus, just use your imagination for this, how their other kids would have been? He said, well, Jesus was a perfect kid. I mean, I wouldn't want to grow up as Jesus' little brother. Jesus always cleans his room. He does the dishes. He does his devotions. He prays every day. He's in the temple arguing with people. You know, and I just picture Jesus, you know, that passage from Luke where Jesus is in the temple arguing with all the, all the leaders. And then I just picture like Jesus' younger brother Jonah is like drawing lines in the sand. <laughs> like he's like, why, why can't you be like Jesus? What a horrible life that must have been. But Joseph and Mary were, were parents. They had responsibilities. They had a job. They had a duty. In Matthew's gospel, Joseph disappears after they go to Nazareth. He does his job, and then his job is done. Biblical fatherhood is a job, guys. It's your number one responsibility. You say, well, my obligations to fill in the blank. Those obligations are not as important. They are not as biblical as your responsibility to your children. Joseph stepped up to a job he could not possibly handle. 
raising the Son of God. We are given stewardship over our children and our household. Dad, stuff your ears for a second. Don't listen to me. I don't want you to get big heads. Kids, your dad is not perfect. And you need to hold him to a standard of biblical fatherhood through your own behavior. Your dad, hopefully, prayerfully, is doing his best to model Christ before you, to teach you, to be a good steward. But I don't know how to tell you this. Your dad is just as messed up as you are. But if he is faithful and trying to be a biblical father, cut the guy a break. Listen to him once in a while. Maybe, just maybe, he's been through what you're going through and understands it. Maybe, just maybe, God entrusted him with your care. Kids and dads, block your ears. Moms, You and your your husband, father of the kids, whatever, you are entrusted with an impossible task. Hold your husband to the standard. Hold the father to the standard of biblical fatherhood through love, through care, through scripture, through prayer. Your family should never be Y'all can unblock your ears. Your family should never be a set of competing priorities. It should always be all of you trying to encourage each other to be the biblical father, mother, child, husband, wife. And if you don't know how to do that biblically, can I just encourage you to look at this one couple? Joseph and Mary. You say, I don't know how to father. This kid is difficult. Your kid is not the son of God. Joseph gives us a model for how to father. Mary gives us an example for how to mother. Is it always going to work out for you? Just remember, Jesus' half-brothers and half-sisters rejected him at first. But you have... A responsibility. Let me let me just summarize with this last. I'm going to say what I said at the beginning. From the moment the angel commanded Joseph to name Mary's son Jesus and adopt him as his own, Joseph had one job. To steward his son to become the man he would need to be for the challenges ahead. Dads, you have one job. Moms, you have one job. To steward the children God has entrusted to you 
for them to become the men and women that they need to be to face the challenges ahead. This is not a typical Christmas story, Christmas message. It happened to be where the study of Matthew wound us up. You're like, why is he always talking so much? Church rises and falls on the families. Doesn't rise and fall on the pastor. Doesn't rise and fall on the music. Doesn't rise and fall on the programs, the budget. It rises and falls on families seeking to steward what God has entrusted them. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Holy Spirit, being families devoted to your word and your work is hard. We fail, we get called on our failures, we feel like failures. And yet you have entrusted us with responsibility to one another, gifted us with the ability to handle the impossible responsibilities just as you did with Joseph, 